0: 3 Verse 1 My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. And now we'll turn to Proverbs six, from verse one. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbour, if you have struck your hands in pledge for another, if you have been trapped by what you said and snared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbour's hands. Go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbour. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. Thanks, Peter.
1: Well, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much, Carl, for your invitation. And it's been a a great pleasure to be with you over this weekend. I get uh, great pleasure from very simple things. I must have a simple mind. But one of, the things which, uh, one of the phrases which gives me most amusement is baby change table. I mean, what do you do at a baby change table? You, you've got a noisy baby. Do you leave it there and take another one or <laughs> trade in for a younger model, something like that? And another expression which amuses me is disabled toilet. I ask to myself, why don't they fix it? So I was so delighted to see the sign-up this morning, Baby Change Table in Disabled Toilet. (laughs) And I look forward to telling people on the mainland uh, (laughs) about the curious habits of the natives. (laughs) Well, I told the folk yesterday that one of the memory verses was given me on a card when I was converted was... Uh, the, the Lord ha- is, is of pure eyes and behold evil, from Habakkuk. Another one was given me was this verse from Proverbs, which I hope you know well, and you can at least whistle now if you want to. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Well, I've been a Christian for 52 years, and I think I'm still learning to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I keep on finding bits of my heart, bits of my life, where I find it hard to trust God. And in a way, the Christian life for me has been a discovery, an exploration of what it means to trust God more deeply. And uh, I suspect I'll keep on learning that lesson until the day of my death. I hope that I will. In Proverbs 3, if you would turn to it, please, if you have a Bible around, uh, The uh, idea of trusting in the Lord comes from uh, remembering the teaching and keeping commandments which will prolong your life and live many days. That is, it's not a blind trust, it is an informed trust in the Lord. It's a responsive trust to what God has said through the wise speaker of these proverbs. It's trust which is mixed with, in verse 3, love and faithfulness. Uh, never leaving us, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And to trust in the Lord, verse 5, is in verse 7, not to be wise in your own eyes, to fear the Lord and shun evil. To trust in the Lord is in verse 9, to honour the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your crops. What a great expression of trust. And to trust the Lord is in verse 11, not to despise the Lord's discipline and not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. And I do find when I talk with Christian people that often they're selective in their trust. They trust God in some areas of their life and not in others. So I had an amazing conversation with a very good friend of mine who is full of trust in uh, God his saviour, but was uh, very nervous about the experiment they did with the Hadron Collider in Switzerland because he thought if they pressed the wrong button, the whole world might blow up. So I spent a lot of time trying to explain to him that if if you can trust God, your saviour, you can trust God, your creator as well. But of course I have those uh, odd selectivity in my trust of the Lord as well. The verse says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's silly to trust in the Lord with part of your heart, with part of your life, with part of yourself. No, this entrusting of ourselves to our Lord God must be with all of our heart. And it must mean that we do not finally lean on our own understanding. It must mean that our folly is finally corrected by the wisdom that comes from our Lord God. And it means that in all our ways we will acknowledge him and trust that he will direct our paths, make our paths straight. And how much of life we spend wondering what decision we should make, what kind of life we should live, where we should live, what we should do. And yet we look back at the end of our lives and see how clearly God has directed us in every path. And even when we've felt most confused and most disturbed uh, and most at sea, we can see later on how lovingly and carefully and gently and compassionately compassionately God has directed us because often guidance is not something we feel at the time but is a reality which God has provided for us. So the fear of the Lord we learn from Proverbs is the foundation of wisdom and we're told here to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. What a shock then to read in Proverbs 6, this instruction, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. I don't know if you've ever studied ants. I, uh, my my first pets when I was young were snails. I kept snails first. That was a very cheap pet because I kept them in a tin, and when they died, I just went and found another snail. They all, all look much the same, really. <laughs> they were just snails, really. And then I was given one of those uh, clever little snail uh, 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 ant houses where you have two pieces of plastic close together you put soil in them and administer some ants and then the ants grow their little ant little palaces and you know rooms and corridors and so on and, and you can look at them doing it it was very it was terrific and so when I uh, first read uh, go to the antial slug and consider it I thought this was jolly good advice because I'd been looking at ants for a number of years as a matter of fact But we learn here from Proverbs what we're meant to learn from ants. Consider her ways and be wise because she works hard. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. That is, she's strategic. She's careful. She works hard. She plans. She's busy. She's responsible, using her gifts, preparing for the future, looking for opportunities. Well, the simplest child might ask the question, if we're trusting in the Lord with all our heart, why do we have to go to the ant and consider her ways and be wise? Isn't a matter of letting go and letting God, relaxing in God, trusting God for everything? Why should we have to be thoughtful about our lives and consider the future and be responsible? And there are some people who are more like Proverbs 3, aren't there? Some people kind of seem to wander through life and not be very responsible, and yet things seem to fall in place in the right time, and others of us are more like ants. I'm an ant. I'm always making lists, ant-like lists of things I must remember to do or not to do. So are you a kind of Proverbs 3 person naturally or a Proverbs 6 person? If you don't know the answer to that question, ask your spouse or indeed ask somebody else's spouse and they'll probably be able to tell you. (laughs) You can overdose on trusting the Lord, can't you? Imagine if you didn't get around to doing any shopping and there was nothing in your larder. No food, no milk, no breakfast cereal and so on. And you said, Well, tomorrow morning we'll just sit down at the table and trust that God will provide breakfast. When you could sit there all day, I suspect, and (laughs) God's unlikely to throw Christ's rispies. No, risp crises. Anyway, what they are, what are they called? It's rice, what was that? Rice crispies, that's right. It's unlikely that rice crispies, thank you for that, will come showering down from God. Because, you see, God has made us to be ant-like and responsible. And as a matter of fact, breakfast is a marvelous experience of human community. Somebody grew the rice. Somebody made it crisp. <laughs> Somebody put it in a packet. Somebody delivered it to the local shop. Somebody made the cardboard for the packet. And you go down and you buy your rice crispies. Uh, And then you take it home and you ladle out your Rice Krispies. So we have to be like ants. Uh, If we don't take Proverbs 6 seriously, we won't have any breakfast. And as, as you all know, breakfast is a very important meal. Indeed, a young friend of mine loved breakfast so much that she could be convinced to go to bed on the basis that the earlier you went to bed, the earlier you'd get up for breakfast. She thought this was a great idea. She was a great girl for breakfast. But how do we put these two together? How do we both trust in the Lord and go to the aunt and consider her ways? How do you trust and work? Well, the answer is not a compromise between the two, not half-trusting half-taking responsibility, but full trust and full responsibility. Now, one of the troubles with preaching is that the people who need to hear the message of the sermon uh, always miss out, and the people who don't need it always take it too seriously. So the danger with this sermon, you see, is that those of us who are natural trusters will go away and think, well, I should trust the Lord even more. And who worries about breakfast? It'll just arrive. And those of us who are naturally conscientious people, will the bit about the ant will stick in our mind. We think we have to work even harder. And not run around like an ant, but run around, as my father used to say, like a headless chook. No, we have to do the trusting and do the responsibility-taking at the same time, in the same way. Not a compromise between the two, not half-trust and half-work, not a divided life, trusting God for some things, but not trusting him for the others and feeling we have to get them for ourselves or they won't happen. Not a compromise, but both, fully, Trusting and taking responsibility. Working but not worrying. In a way, I think the balance between trusting in the Lord and going to the ant does reflect what it is to be a human being that is someone made in the image of of God. To be made in the image of God... Means to be like God; it means to be a reminder of God, an advertisement for God. So when I look at you, I'm meant to, think, meant to think: "Well, you remind me of somebody I know." Now, now, who could that be? Oh, it's God. That's right. You remind me of God. For like God, we are to be loving and forgiving and generous and creative and relational. Yet to be made in the image of God as we are as human beings is to be given real responsibility in the world and yet not be the rulers of it. It's quite a subtle place to be, isn't it? To be made like God with real responsibility for the world, told to take dominion over the land and be responsible and cultivate our land and so on, to work hard, and yet not to think that we are God not to think that we're perfectly free agents to do exactly what we like. So as images of God, we must trust in the Lord, but as images of God, we're given responsibility and told to work. I love the old cartoon of a well-meaning vicar in England chatting to a workman who's busy tending the garden. Uh, And the vicar says what Anglican vicars tend to say, you know, we must praise the Lord for this lovely garden. And the gardener says, you should have seen it before I got to it. (laughs) But that's the point, isn't it? We have to trust trust the Lord and also take responsibility for our lives. And in my experience, I tend to ricochet between the two. (laughs) tend to do lots of trusting because I realize I haven't been doing it and then discover I'm doing too much trusting and not enough working. The same reality, the same tension is found in the New Testament. When Paul writes in Philippians, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works within you to act according to his good purpose. Or indeed, the verse that uh, Carl uh, read from Ephesians has the same balance and tension in it. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith... This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're not saved by good works, but saved by God's grace we will do good works. So it would be good, I think, for each of us to think today well, what kind of correction needs to be made in my life? Am I heading towards too much trust and not enough responsibility or too much responsibility and not enough trust? And it might be worth thinking, well, what's our church like? What's this church like? Do we overdose on trust and not take responsibility? Or are we an over-conscientious church and actually failing to trust God and worrying too much about what happens? I find it so important to grow my trust in God. So here are some prayers that I pray uh, to help me trust God. Uh, These are some prayers I pray uh, regularly. And I wrote them out because I needed to uh, remind myself that I do trust God and also say to God that I do trust him each day. Heavenly Father, I trust your love, grace, and acceptance that you created and saved me to live for your glory. I trust in your Son, as Saviour of the world, and your Gospel as your power for salvation for all who believe. I trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, as the powerful and generous Saviour, Head, Lord, and Judge of his Church. I trust you as the just Judge of all people. I trust that you'll provide all the gifts, time, and energy, and health for me to live for you and do the good works you prepared for me to do. I trust that you place me where you want me to serve you and be a blessing to others. And I say those trusts because my natural inclination is not to trust God about those things. So, for example, about trusting Jesus Christ as the powerful and generous Saviour, Head, Lord and Judge of his Church, I'm always worrying about churches because people ring me up and say, we've got this problem in our church. Carl hasn't done that but I'm sure he's going to next week. Uh, and they, and they, seem, they come to me to say, well, no, what, what are we going to do about this? And because I'm an Anglican, then, uh, as you can imagine, the phone runs hot with uh, worries about the church. So the great danger is that I'll be... If I was reformed, of course, there would be no problems. But anyway, <laughs> the phone runs hot with worries about churches. And it's the danger is that I'll take that on myself, you see, and feel the weight of it too much. So that's why I have to say, well, I trust you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's your church. You're building it. You saved it. You better fix it. And I found that a great help when I was at St. Jude's in ministry. We'd find some insoluble problem in the church. So I'd go to God and say, well, it's your church. You fix it. You made it. And when I began praying the prayer, this is a testimony, I hope you're impressed with this. When I began saying to God each day, I trust that you'll provide all the gifts, time and energy for me to live for you and do the good works you were prepared for me to do, it made a dramatic change to my driving. Because I wasn't racing from place to place, worried that I wasn't doing enough today to serve God. And it was very important for me to pray because I'm a great list maker and I always made lists of ten things to do today, which I could only ever achieve three. So I had to learn to trust God that though I hadn't got through my list for the day, it was actually okay. He was running the universe, I wasn't. The Messiah's job was already taken. And yet, curiously enough, I also need to learn the ant thing because I kind of can get busy but not effectively busy. Do you know what I mean? Uh, You know, you end up doing lots of things each day, but at the end of the year, you think, well, now what was I actually trying to achieve with all that activity? The lovely thing about ants is they're purposeful, they look as if they're running around uh, as if they've been drinking. But in fact, it's all purposeful work. They're busy doing whatever ants do. And somebody will tell me uh, after the service, I'm sure. Rearranging the babies, probably changing babies for all we know. Uh, Digging another bit of, you know, place to live, perhaps a sunroom. You know, somebody said a sunroom would be nice, wouldn't it? So they're busy doing that. Corridor from here to there. Yes, that would be a good idea. But it's all purposeful. They're not wasting their energy. They're busy but purposeful. So if you're a kind of natural ant person, please start thinking that you need to trust God more, but also ask yourself the question, is, is my busyness achieving something? And it's your responsibility to sort that out. Don't just run around like one of my father's headless chooks. Think, what am I, what am I trying to achieve by my busyness? And if you do that it will give it will help you sort out your busyness. It will also give purpose to what you're doing and hope to what you're doing. Trust and take responsibility. Work. Don't worry. The advice of uh, one great soldier, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. Don't over-specialize in trust so that you never take responsibility. Don't overdose on responsibility so that you don't trust And I think as this year races past, it's not a bad time to start thinking about the coming year. How will I grow in trust in God next year? And what will I try and achieve next year with all the things I do? How will I contribute to my community next year? What good works will I do next year for God? what good works will I do in my church? For it's fatal when churches are divided between trusters sitting over here and ants sitting over there. When some people do all the trusting and others do all the work. No, no, we all need to learn to trust and to take responsibility. For both are the gracious gifts of God. God. What a gift of God that we can trust him. And what great a great gift of God that we can work for him, for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, do find that being a human being is a complicated business with many opportunities, responsibilities, joys and pains. But please teach us by your wisdom in the Holy Scriptures to trust in you with all our heart and not lean in our own understanding. But also help us like the ants you've made to teach us how to work purposefully and effectively. Please help us to trust and also take responsibility and please help us to work but not to worry because we trust you our gracious and loving heavenly father and we ask this prayer through our Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross that we might be forgiven but who works in us in his resurrection power that we might serve him and serve you, our Heavenly Father. So please shape our lives by your wisdom, your grace, and your kindness. In Jesus' name, Amen.